0: When I started recording my new year, I am a person who likes new beginnings. So in twenty twenty three, like there was this natural shift of like, oh, new beginning, (laughs) and I had a lot of like storytelling podcasts for a little while, and then I had a break where I didn't have a lot of storytelling podcasts. And I'm really honored to have you here today and to re um, sort of re up this. Let's bring more story to the podcast. Um today's guest is Jill Angie. I'm going to let Jill introduce herself. Um but the reason we landed here together from my perspective is that I posted in a um in a group that we're both in from the advanced certification in feminist coaching um that we both went through with Carla Lowenthal. Um I posted looking for podcast guests, and I've been watching your work for a long time, Jill, because Jill has been um, in the life coach world longer than I have, at least from my perspective. <laughs> and um, I never thought we'd come together in this way on this podcast. And when you um, shared just, I think one sentence, and it, you know, you said, "I've never be- I was never regretful." Oh, correct me if I'm wrong in any way about my choice, but I did experience shame just up until just recently. Um, Seems like maybe it peaked around the time Roe was uh, overturned and through the work of this certification that we both participated in. Um, so that's how we landed here. It's fun when things circle back around and we can be sort of peers in many many communities for many years I my certification was in 2018 Um, and then come together in this way on a totally different level sharing abortion stories so here we are how do you want to introduce yourself to the audience today what are you feeling what do you want to tell them about you Um, before we start talking about story oh that's such an
1: interesting question an interesting like way to invite the introduction. Yeah, That's you can be whoever you want
0: to be. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: choose to be Lizzo today, how's that? <laughs> <laughs> um for first of all, thank you for having me on the show and I'm I'm excited to be here for for many reasons, but um just a little about me and the type of coaching that I do, I guess, um is that I help fat women start running. And it's kind of a weird thing to say to people because they're just like, oh my God, she said the F word. (laughs) Are are you allowed to say that? Um, And I'm just like, yeah. So it's kind of like, that's, I get a little bit of joy every time I say to somebody that helps fat women start running and just like to watch all of the different thoughts and emotions kind of flitter across their face and then where they decide they're gonna settle is usually, Oh, wow. Good for you. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, but that's what I, I mean, that's what I do. I'm very passionate about it, but mostly I'm passionate about, you know, this is the way that I help empower women to just, you know, be more confident to live their best lives and, and to smash the patriarchy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Um, but I'm also somebody, you know, I'm 55 years old. I, you know, I'm a Early Gen Xer, and uh I have had two abortions in my life when I was very young.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that um, you know, it took me years to admit that to my closest friends, mm-hmm. and even longer to stop feeling the shame about my decision, even though I never regretted my decision. I have felt shame. I was first, yeah. first one I was 19, and the second one I was. 21 22 maybe mm-hmm. 22 uh, early 20s and um yeah so I've spent you know solid 30 plus years feeling shame about that so I'm yeah so that's me yeah. <laughs> that's, a,
0: that's a little slice you, of who I no, be today. thank you thank you <laughs> um yeah again you can see how like me reading a bio about your not your average runner life um It's like, is that really how we want to start this podcast? I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of not
1: super relevant to what we're talking about today. (laughs) She
0: has some stories and she's a super accomplished human being who empowers women um, and also another human being in the complexity of having abortion stories. So, yeah. yeah. So, hi and thank you. I am curious if you wouldn't wouldn't mind describing that shame. Like when you say um I didn't have regret but I did experience shame which obviously kept you kind of hiding your story, probably lots of other things. What did it what did it sound like? What did it feel like? I think some people don't identify shame as shame. Mm-hmm. Um but it is that like what was like, describe it to me. What mm. was shame, What was the flavors of shame in your life? And did they change through the decades?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. There's a lot to unpack there. And, uh, but I love how you said a lot of people wouldn't necessarily name shame as shame because I have, I mean, it's, it's probably been in the last five or six years of my life that I've really just started letting go of all of the beliefs about how women are supposed to be show up in their lives and like, you know, just how humans are supposed to be (laughs) in general, but specifically women, I really just kind of started to let a lot of that go. And I think, um, you know, my particular abortion story, I think is fairly typical of many, uh, other, you know, middle-class white women (laughs) (laughs) who went to college and, um, (laughs) But I, I don't think I would have said that I felt shame about it because, and I'm processing this as we're talking. That's the best way to do it. (laughs) I don't think I've ever really had a conversation with anyone about my story. It's literally been one way, like posting about it on, um, you know, on social media after the Roe v. Wade uh, after Roe v. Wade was overturned and kind of like just sharing it, but never like yeah. discussing it. So this is interesting. So I, yeah, I don't think I would have identified it as shame because I'm like, okay, in my mind, I had two abortions. I knew they were the right decisions for me. I knew that if I had gone through those pregnancies, I would not have had the life that I was meant to live. Yeah. But also I was like, it's, it's, I guess I I don't, I, cause I don't think it's wrong to have an abortion, but I knew that many, many people did. And so I was like, well, to present myself as more palatable or appropriate or likable or just a good person, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna not talk about that. And, you know, if, if people like brought up abortion like, oh, she had an abortion or whatever. I just kept my mouth shut. And so i I don't think I really even noticed that I felt shame about it until very, very recently because I was like I had just decided like that's never something I'm gonna talk about. It's a thing that I did. I'm not I'm it's not that, it's so funny. I want to say it's something I'm not proud of, but i I am proud of that because, yeah, I think it took courage to make that decision in in the moment it felt much scarier to think about telling my parents and to think about having a child yeah like that was so fucking terrifying to me i'm sorry excuse me
0: no all the swearing <laughs> welcome
1: okay that was so terrifying to me that literally like going and i had to go to a different state i lived in new york state at the time um And, but I lived in like rural New York. I was, I was in college and I had to go to Vermont. I had to go to Burlington, Vermont. That was like the closest place. And, um, yeah, it was just like about a two hour drive. And so, um, oh, I just totally lost my train. I thought, what was I saying?
0: Well, I wrote notes, so I can always jump back. (laughs) You're probably Um, like,
1: oh, no, this woman has no idea what she's talking about.
0: Oh, this is Um, the best. This is my favorite kind of conversation. Um, What you were what we were speaking to is like, I I didn't necessarily see it as shame, um, but I didn't talk about it. I didn't. Yeah. Oh, Um, Yeah.
1: So yeah, right. So I I think like in the moment it took courage for me to figure out how to, you know, get an abortion. The clinic at my college, I was a sophomore. Was I sophomore or junior? It's a sophomore. Um, the clinic at my school was and again, i was so fortunate and privileged to have this yeah. support because they were just like, you know, you are pregnant. And these are your options and we will help you pursue whichever option you want. There was zero judgment. Amazing. Um, and so I just, you know, I was like, well, I didn't really take long for me to make that decision because I was terrified of telling my parents what I had done. I was a virgin until I was a sophomore in college. So this was the first, you know, person i had had sex with and, yeah. you know, I got, I, I'm a smart girl. I'll tell you what, I was at an engineering school. I am, I am not a dummy. I have a fair amount of common sense. And I was so pissed that like, this had happened to me. Cause I thought, how, how did I fuck this up? How did I, (laughs) so I had like that, but then I, but then I, I mean, in retrospect, I had shame because it was an almost all male school. And so, you know, women were a commodity Mm -hmm. for sure. The person that I was dating was not like that at all. You know, I had like really good radar for that, but, but ever, all the other guys that I knew were just like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like they knew what was going on. And so I, I, Oh God, just like bringing it back. I just remember like, I lived on this, uh, It was like a, I don't even know what kind of dorm it was, but there was like a center, a center lounge. And then there were like all of these rooms off of the lounge. It was kind of like a weird dorm and it was co-ed. And I just, I just remember like, there were these two guys that lived on my floor. Every time they saw, once they found out, Every time they saw me, they'd like raise their eyebrows and it was just disgusting and gross. And wow. And I think that probably wow. contributed to the shame as well. Because there had I been <laughs> like, <laughs> like as we're talking about it, because there yeah. were yeah. and the and the women that were also on that floor, like were just kind of like, mm, she got herself knocked up, right? Like right. there was no support. There was no like. yeah. I got you. I'll take care of you. Yeah. And so I think that probably rooted the shame in pretty, pretty quickly. And then I was just like, no, I'm not going to talk about this. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah. So, so I think Roe v. Wade getting overturned kind of like awakened this rage in me that like, and, and I, and again, I think about how fortunate I was to have access to healthcare, to have, mm. you know, that the healthcare professionals were non-judgmental. I was very, very well taken care of. I had the money to pay for what I needed to pay for. It did not interrupt my life, my schooling, anything. Yeah. Um, and when I think about, I told you I wasn't going to cry. No. <laughs> I'm crying, but like, when I think about that getting taken away, It's just, it's just devastating to think about that. And so I think that's what helped me get past the shame because I was like, this is bullshit. Like people need to know that like your best friend, your next door neighbor, your daughter have had abortions and, you know, their lives would be different if they, like I would not have the life and the business I have. I would not be able to make the impact on the plus size community of women that I have, if I had had either of those children, and I, I just would have had a totally different life. And I and I think that I know I made the right decision. And just like letting go of the shame, letting go of that shame has been incredibly powerful yeah. for me. Because now I'm just like, because I told my story, I wrote this really long post on Facebook and just told the whole story from beginning to end because the second one was more of a, it was, you know, someone, the first, the first one was consensual, second one, not so much. Um, okay. I had I had more shame with the second one because it wasn't consensual and I felt mm-hmm. like I had done something wrong. Um, But I, I was kind of like, I don't, I, I can't like let what people might think about me get in the way of sharing yeah. Yeah. this story. Sorry, that was a that was a huge word dump.
0: (laughs) I love it. Well, you just said I felt like I had done something wrong, and earlier I wrote down like, "How did I fuck this up?" Um. And those are just sort of like go tos in my life in general.
1: (laughs) What am I doing
0: wrong? How did I fuck this up? (laughs) When am I gonna figure it out? Um, I. I just think your your everything you've shared has shared so many layers of the complexity of this mm-hmm. experience, this conversation, the impact of abortion. Um, even things like I wrote down when you said it it didn't inter like it did not interrupt my life. Yeah. It's such an interesting statement to make because it didn't interrupt having the money, having the access, having the, you know, technically the support you needed, all those things like we can say like, cause because I'm similar, right? Like white woman had access, had support, had the money, had the had the things. Um it our stories matter too in that it it did interrupt our lives. And we can use the privilege that we had to have the access, to have the money, right? To do like what we're doing, which is to talk about it. Because if it's this hard for us, us talking about it is gonna can't help but make it easier for somebody else. Like we can use the privilege we have as power for someone who doesn't have that privilege, right? Like it's really hard to keep, um, Creating laws and and legislation against abortion access when real life humans are saying, "Here's my story and here's my story." It was hard, it was sad, and we should have access. Mm-hmm. Versus like because it was sad and hard, no one should have access because they're they're using that against us, right? Like yeah. they're using our lack of storytelling. They're using things like it didn't interrupt my life as ways to keep our story out of the picture. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it didn't interrupt your life. It did. You didn't talk about it. You didn't move on. You were always sort of dodging it. Mm-hmm. It did have a mental, emotional impact on your life. And when we talk about that, it's much harder for them to fight against us because we're like, here I am in all my messiness, <laughs> I can only imagine it's somewhat similar to being like, here I am and I'm fat. Like, yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say now?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, it's true though. It's true. <laughs> it's like, and I think, yeah, because there's so much shame around being fat when you're a woman, when you're a man as well. Uh, when you're, you know, when you're any gender, um, there's a lot of shame about being fat, but I, I think particularly for women, because we are viewed as, commodities right and like you know a woman should have a small body and a pretty face and all the things and you know if you don't have those things there's there can be right you're you can feel ashamed of that and I think
0: if you don't have those things you should hide
1: Yes, exactly. It's the same
0: thing. (laughs) It is
1: the same thing.
0: What if I don't hide? What if I just come out here and be like, Mm -hmm. I cried for days after my abortion? It's the saddest thing I've ever done. (laughs) And I'm going to drive someone to the clinic because this is what's important. This is what matters. It's okay that we're sad. It's okay that our bodies don't look like whatever, Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh oh, I just opened a can of worms. (laughs) um there's just so many layers like you said it took courage to get an abortion and I think 30 you said 30 something years later right like it takes courage to talk about your abortion and both those things have impact right like we can say oh I didn't need to talk about it I got the care I needed. I'm moving on. I'm gonna go on with my life. Like that quiet shame is yeah. somehow. It's like almost work. It's no, insidious. It's not. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it is. Yes. It, like, cause I realized. <clears throat> I realized a couple years. I think. I no. I think it was probably around the time that Roe v Wade happened when I just started getting so angry that I realized like, wow, this, this shame. Cause I mean, there's like, I would go months without thinking about it. It wasn't like I spent, you know, every day mulling it over. Um, but it was always there that shame and that feeling like there are, I think it's like, there are things I've done that I don't want anybody to know about that. That thought is and especially, it's not like I murdered somebody, right? Like, oh, well, I guess <laughs> that's probably a terrible, it's probably a terrible analogy, but it doesn't right? matter.
0: I, I use that. I actually use that language quite a bit because when someone says to me, you murdered your child. um, I think they're again, similar to yeah. the conversation I was just sort of opening is like, to say like, to just stand and not fight back and not mm-hmm. deny that truth. Like, Am I right that you don't have kids?
1: No, no, I don't. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I do. And when mm. I was six weeks pregnant with them, they were babies. <laughs> they were kids. Yeah. They were life. Yeah. And so when someone says to me, you murdered your child, you killed your child, I actually fight back by just not arguing. If you want to mm. call it murder, call it murder. I'm not going to argue with that. Like, that's your yeah. big nasty name. Yeah. For me, I'm not going to fight the fact that I, that I did end a life, but I'm also not going to feel guilty about it. I'm not going to let you use it against me. Right. So, um, totally so
1: powerful.
0: It is so powerful. And it is very similar to the, like, call me fat. Here I am. Yeah. But I've, I I have
1: honestly never heard anybody put it that way and say, yeah, you're right. I did end a life. Yeah. And, and, (laughs) and exactly. Yeah. I mean that. Wow. Like that is, I've got goosebumps because I I think that that's legit. What, what we need to be doing is not justifying. Well, I had good reasons or whatever. It's like, no, this is what it's my fucking body. And this is what I chose to do with it. And you don't get a say in it. And yeah, I have chills. And there
0: is the truth that like, to me, yes, it was life. Could I have survived without me? No, it fucking couldn't have. So mm-hmm. that is where my choice and my power comes in because the extremists on the other side are like, are you just going to kill your seven-year-old? Like, fuck you. No, it's yeah. not the same conversation. I can admit that I ended a life and you need to admit that life didn't have wasn't its own entity like let's just be honest about the facts here like yes I ended a life no it could not have survived without my body my willingness Mm -hmm. my sacrifice (laughs) like it that that matters all the truth matters here so I'm not gonna fight against your you know you're telling me that it's it's a life It, it was a life and it's okay to say, yeah. no, I don't want this thing growing in my body. I don't yeah. want a child right now. I don't want that life. I don't yeah. want the responsibility for the rest of my life to parent this child. Like, yeah, I don't want that. And that's okay. And I just think like, this is the power of telling story, especially when it's Not the extreme stories, right? Because if you go into the media, it's like a 10-year-old was raped. We should have access to abortion. It's like the reality of that is like Mm -hmm. (laughs) heart-wrenching and painful. But I don't think those are the stories that are going to make a change in the movement. I think those extremes just have us ping-ponging back and forth and back and forth. And we have to be like just a normal human. Yeah. Yeah whatever that means. I'm a normal <laughs> human. I'm an average, boring human who had sex, got pregnant, doesn't want a child. Can we just talk about that? Yeah, yeah. let <laughs> like, bring, bring it down to the facts.
1: It. Yeah, exactly. We have to
0: unshame it by taking ourselves away from the extremes and into like our real lived reality.
1: Well, and there's so many other things that we do to our bodies that are our choices that are like, oh, you know, I, I don't want my nose to look this way anymore. So I'm going to change it and stuff. So like, I I feel like it's, to me, it's kind of an extension of that. And I know there's probably some folks that are really uncomfortable with that analogy,
0: but. (laughs) Oh, I make the craziest analogies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I do think it's just an extension of all the other things that we do to our bodies that nobody really you know, blinks at. And so, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think these are the conversations that matter. Um, I think when I asked you to describe the shame, I think, you know, this podcast is called speaking light into abortion. It's like, let's shine light on what it really looked like. It didn't look like i'm a horrible murderer and i should be forever doomed to a life of misery that wasn't your yeah. story but yeah. you still had shame right it yeah, doesn't have to sure. be an extreme to have. i had that i had very similar shame of like um how did this like i my first unplanned pregnancy was at th- age 38 I'd had four other planned pregnancies. Ooh. So I was like, I'm really good at this. Like, I know how to not get pregnant. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an asshole. <laughs> and then I got pregnant and I was like, oh, how did I let this happen? Like, I thought I was good at this. Stupid shit, right? Like the yeah. things that go through your head and then you realize. Um, but I had shame for getting pregnant, not for having an abortion. Mm-hmm. I was like, what how did I mess this up? Right. Yeah. Like I thought I was good at this.
1: (laughs) But you know, as you say that, I realized that my shame was about getting pregnant. Yeah, me too. It was like literally not like, yes, there was an abortion, but the shame was about getting pregnant. Wow.
0: And Isn't that fascinating? And that's the thing about abortion is it puts so many things on the table, right? Like you can't Have an abortion without bringing some attention to your sex life, right? Like, yeah, obviously you had sex. (laughs) (laughs) It was either consensual or non-consensual, but you, there was no immaculate conception, right? Like, so, um, unlike, you know, you know, having your nose rhinoplasty or whatever, like, the choice itself says something about. Like even factually says something about yeah. what who you are, like what choices you, what other choices you've made. Yeah, And so, of course, there's shame. Like it exposes a lot of things about who we are., yeah. um and those are all things that we don't like to talk about.
1: <laughs> right,
0: right? We don't like talking about sex anyway so now that we're talking about abortion that's attached to sex things just got real messy and what are we supposed to say and do now yeah but yeah see um same for me like that the the shame came from getting pregnant in the first place which is so we're both you know I'm in my 40s you're in your 50s like we can look at that intellectually and be like that's ridiculous (laughs) I have shame that my body worked the way it was supposed to Right, work.
1: yeah, yeah.
0: But it's true. And it, like the truth of experiencing that yeah. is like a real thing. Yeah, It's a real thing. And we can see it as ridiculous and still let it be messy.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like, when you say we have shame over our bodies operating the way they're supposed to, it's like, it's really the shame of, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't paying attention. I did something stupid. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and it's, those are just the same sentences we say to ourselves about everything. Exactly. You know, like if you write a check and it's overdrawn, you're like, oh my God, I did something stupid. And, you know, if you get pregnant unexpectedly, it's, oh my God, I did something stupid.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's like the same shit that we get mad at ourselves, like when it comes right down to it, at, at least for me, that really was what it was was i I did something wrong. I did you know, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. But it was in relation to the pregnancy. and the abortion was what I did to take care of it. And that's why I say there's no regret. like, yeah, I've known from from young age that I was not interested in having children. So there was no like, oh, what could have been, you know, I can't wait to have children and I feel guilty. It was like, no, I don't want them. And this the abortion is was
0: actually just a procedure.
1: Yes. Yeah. It was all <laughs> the the shame same has stuff.
0: nothing to do with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now that's a story someone can't use against you. To create yeah. legislation against access to abortion. Yeah. So all this time, the some I'm putting words in your mouth, but like <laughs> whether it's you or someone else listening who has that, it's like all this time I thought hiding my story had was connected to the procedure of abortion. It wasn't. It had nothing to do with the procedure of abortion. Yeah. But I was hiding it. Or for listeners, right? Like I am hiding it. Um, Unpacking that and untangling that will help more people get access. Yeah, for sure. Because combining it together is how they're using it against us. Yeah. Damn. I know, sneaky bastards. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote something down earlier that I was like, that's how that's how they use it against us. Um, I don't remember what it was. Anyway. Um, what, what has, I, oh, go ahead. No, 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 please. I was just going to say what has not been said that we want to talk about. Um, but what were you going to say?
1: Well, I think like, like I said, the the first, the first time it was consensual and I felt like I was in it with my partner, like it was something we were dealing with together. He was very supportive. Um, The second time it was, this is interesting. It was not until I told the story on my Facebook page that somebody pointed out to me, actually, that was not consensual sex. And I was fascinated because I I said, Oh, you know, I, I, this is, this is how I've told the story in my mind for many years is it was a guy. Honestly, I didn't really like him very much and, but had too much to drink and I didn't really want to have sex, but he just, I basically just gave in. So he would go away and somebody kind of pointed out to me and, and I thought it was like, oh, you know, you should have, you should have been, you should have said no harder. You should have like made sure it didn't happen. Like I was 100% blaming myself and somebody pointed out to me, like, if you said no, if you tried to not do it, like that's rape. And I'm (laughs) like, oh, and it, I just watched my entire, like view of that whole scenario. And I was like, wait a minute. Like if, it wasn't my fault. Like I could just feel the shame. Yeah. And and I think like, I still, maybe I feel a little embarrassment that I dated that guy for a hot minute because he was just, good Lord, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. But also I, I know what I was thinking. I was, you know, I was in graduate school. I was lonely. I was in the throes of diet culture and have been, you know, have been told my whole life, if you're fat, you'll never get a boyfriend. And so I, you know, I was kind of like, Oh, well, I guess this is all I get. Right. Like that was kind of what my part of my brain was thinking. And so, but then there was also the part of my brain that was like, you gotta be kidding me this guy. Right. So it's like a little bit of conflict. Um, but my whole life, I've thought that it was my fault yeah. For letting it happen. And I realized that, like, no, like I said no. And then I just was like, fuck it, whatever. Just get and and like yeah. it was such a relief. And and maybe other people wouldn't experience it the same way, but like to realize, like, oh, like he he pushed himself on me. And this was not me being stupid and making a mistake this was this was a a another human that was not respecting my boundaries and pushed himself on me and that and that was the result and so it was very powerful for me to reframe it that way and and I I'm like oh I wouldn't go so far as to call it rape because in my mind rape is violent and this wasn't violent this was just more like all right fine do it but I'm like but actually <laughs> Yeah. When you say no, and they do it anyway, that's what it is. And so, I, I guess I don't know. I I want to offer to to anybody out here who has you know similar experiences that no matter how the pregnancy happened, like you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. Like. I just want to let people know that like, they don't have to think that about themselves anymore. Yeah. You didn't do anything wrong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting how the self blame is part of what leads to the shame. Yeah. But the self blame is also actually a really interesting and effective way to protect yourself right? Mm -hmm. Like, if I blame myself, I can prevent it from happening again. Mm -hmm. Um, If I blame myself, it means I know what's right and wrong, and I can choose right. And that choice is how I empower, like, how I stay empowered. But actually, (laughs) right? But actually... What's more empowering is recognizing like the messiness and the lack of like the lack of control you have when a man is first of all, I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, yeah. it's a heart wrenching reality that's just constantly playing itself out, right? Yeah. And these kinds of conversations, again, we have to talk about it more openly. Like I did say, no, that was rape. Right. Um, But talking about the messiness of it and the reality of it and the accountability for that other human, you were not the only person. uh, We Mm -hmm. can probably both guarantee you were not Mm -hmm. the only person that he took that liberty with. Right. Mm -hmm. Um. It is easier to blame yourself and move on and think that you are empowering yourself by knowing what's right and wrong and how you can do better in the future, and then you're living with that shame coming from the self blame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when really you could just have been like, "That was fucked up. I feel like an asshole. He is an asshole. This is messy on so many levels." And just allow that messiness. Like we want clarity. So we create self blame. Yeah. Or blame in the other Mm -hmm. direction. Cause some people would have been like, he, he right, and gone all to blaming him, right? That would be the other direction to go. I can go all on blaming him or all on blaming myself. And then I'll know what to do in the future. Yeah. Just an illusion. It's like a false illusion. Or I can just be like, holy shit, being human is hard and fucked up and shitty stuff happens. And I'm feeling so many things right now. I don't even know how to process. No one wants to have that conversation with us when we're 21.
1: No, you're right. Everybody (laughs) wants to be like, well, this is exactly what you should do now. And you know, like, and I think when you're 21, you're seeking like rules and, You know, like even while you're rebelling, you're still kind of like, tell me the answers. And no 21 year old wants to know the answer is shit happens. Shit
0: happens. (laughs) Yeah. You're figuring life out. And part of figuring life out is how do I stay safe? Oh, wait, here's the answer you can't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I am a mother of an eight, almost 19 year old. And I do have that conversation with her. I do tell her, like, it's not a safe world out there. Whatever happens to you, we're going to get through it. We're going to figure it out. But I can't protect you. You can't protect yourself. We can just make decent choices. Yeah. We're also allowed to fuck up and drink too much that night or, Mm -hmm. you know, get distracted by whatever. And, you know, it being human is messy. It's messy. And abortion is, like, some of the m- deepest, rawest, um, messiest, like, uh, f- like <laughs> realities, right? Like, <laughs> the conversation around abortion draws our attention to so much of life's messy. Yeah. And so and, we're, we're afraid of it.
1: Well, and I think it draws attention to hypocrisy and I I think that's one of the things that frustrates me so much about you know all of these this move towards removing access to abortion for for all women is the the people who are making those moves have had abortions they have you know like they have done it and so like okay, just because you feel guilty about it doesn't mean that you should take away my right to that. So like you deal with your own shit over there. Like, don't take away my, my rights. Um, well, mm -hmm.
0: it reminds me of the affirmative action thing. We're just, just having gone through, right. It's like, I'm going to take away this access to higher education, but my grandson got is dumb as bricks and got into Harvard because he has my last name, right? Like I'm going to, it's, it's a very similar thing, right? It's like, um, it works for me. So I'm gonna like make it work for me, but not for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is so ugly and so messy. And, um, it is a really powerful way to control us yeah you know these these um abortion access laws are such a powerful way to con- yeah. control us. it is
1: like the ultimate way to control women is yeah. to control their uterus it-
0: yeah and you can see how like in your story um being a white woman even now in 2023 you would still have had resources to get an abortion, right? 100%. Yeah. Still have had those resources, but they still would have been controlling you because yeah. of the other layers of shame that they have piled on and attached to it yeah. that have nothing to do with the actual procedure itself. Yeah. And so even those of us who think like, oh, you know, I'll always be able to access it for myself and my kids, like they're still controlling you yeah yeah and just well and just because
1: (laughs) you've got access to some something doesn't doesn't release you from the responsibility of caring about helping other people you know it's like yeah I, I think that's one of the things that I get super frustrated about just with not just the United States the world in general it's just like well you know, I, I don't have to worry about that because I'm covered, right? Like, like the ice caps are melting, but you know what? Like I live in a relatively safe area. I'm not going to have to worry if like sea levels rise or you know, like that, that kind of stuff is like, so I'm just going to keep living my life, flying my private jet, like doing all that stuff because I don't have to worry about that. I'm covered. Yeah. And I think that like makes me feel kind of gross about the rest of the human race sometimes it's just yeah. like just because you're covered doesn't doesn't like release you from the responsibility of caring about your other humans and like doing doing what you're able right I'm not saying like give up all your money to like help other people I mean you might want to do that you might not but like
0: just I think st- it actually gives us more responsibility I feel like yeah. because we have this privilege yeah. of the color of our skin, because we have this privilege of where we live and yeah. what access we have, like it does give us more responsibility, right? Yeah. Like we have that cup's been filled. Like if yeah. I can access healthcare, how can I help someone else access healthcare? Yeah. Like exactly. Um I don't oh, I don't know how we keep getting that message out like. It's tricky too, because it's like, um, be grateful for what you have and enjoy it. Like that's a whole nother message out Mm -hmm. there is like, enjoy what you have. And then you get wrapped up into this whole world of like, I'm just enjoying what I have. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Aha! You're hoarding what you're having too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, enjoy what you have, and then ask yourself, like, how can I share this? How can I? How can I? um, How can I take this overflow? Yeah. And and pass it on to somebody else who doesn't have it.
1: It's like if you ordered a pizza and the pizza was delivered to your house, and a friend stopped by, you wouldn't be like. I'm just enjoying what I have, and eat the whole fucking pizza yourself. (laughs) You would be like, "Hello, friend. Can I offer you a slice?"
0: Yeah, and in general, we as humans are really bad at offering the slice unless the person is in front of us. Yes. So when we isolate ourselves into these little geographical bubbles, class bubbles, so you know, social bubbles. Um we have to remember that just because that person's not in front of us, they're there, like they're there. And us, there's a way we can help no matter how far away we are, no matter how different our stories are, like there's a way we can help. And in trying to help, we will fuck up. Probably like (laughs) 10 times during this conversation alone, I was like, oh no, why did I say that? I didn't mean to say (laughs) that. I should explain myself. So in trying to help we're gonna mess up yeah we're gonna mess up and like we just it's worth it yeah agreed it's worth it uh is there anything you didn't say about your own story or um or you think a listener who maybe had a similar okay i i'm gonna be more specific because this happens a lot your your abortion stories were decades ago So what do you have to say to the listener whose abortion stories were also decades ago?
1: Um, I mean, I, I think it's just like, Hey, you know, you don't, you don't need to feel shame around this. You also don't have to shout your abortion story to the, from the mountaintops, right? You can keep it private and still know that like, you didn't fuck up. You didn't do anything wrong. I think yeah. that's it. Like, there's no yeah. requirement for you to tell your story to release the shame, um, but yeah, you're you're okay.
0: Yeah, I tell me if you agree with this. I like to say there is no requirement to tell your story publicly, but when you tell it to yourself yeah. in a real, honest, exploratory, curious way, you will change. And yeah. that you goes out into the world publicly. No one knows. <laughs> but as soon as you're more honest with yourself about your story and you make peace with your story yourself, you show up braver at work. You run farther. You yeah. like, you go after the comedy career you wanted you, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Like you absolutely do not have to be public to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah but when you're honest with your own story and you do the unshaming work personally you will become a different human and that different human will change the world.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's beautifully beautifully said. Yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, thank I'll, you. I'll probably listen back to this and all the places I said things I wish I hadn't said and then I'll re- <laughs> and then I'll release it anyway. <laughs> Honestly, in 5 years of podcasting, I have said so many things
1: that I was like face palm afterwards. And, and, and and the best part is that I've said things that I thought were absolutely brilliant and spot on and had people go, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh And then I've said like (laughs) stuff that I thought was so dumb and people are like, that changed my life. (laughs) You just, you just put it out there in the world and people get to do with it what they want.
0: So. Yeah, absolutely. So lovely to chat with you. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. All right. So until next week. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice.